Nothing short of a shimmering, glowing star in the cinema firmament. This is Singing in the Rain. Hey, Jackie. Hi, Greg. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to Seen and Heard. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, so last week we came back and we did an episode all about the brand new 2022 Sight and Sound list. So if you haven't heard that, check it out. We have many thoughts. Many, many We got our hands dirty. (laughs) We got our hands dirty. But this week we're back to our regularly scheduled programming with... Just a little shitty movie that's not worth anyone's time. Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly singing in the rain from 1952. Well, what is that regularly scheduled programming? We're Greg? back on you the sight and sound list. People. So yeah, we are still on the 2012 list. We started this podcast a year ago, a full year before the 2022 list, fully well, full, full well knowing that we were going to have a brand new list shortly and that we were only going to have time to get through about half of the list, which is about what we did. And we know there's a new list, and we want to get to it. We're excited to get to it. I'm sure we've we, we've covered a lot of films that are on it already, yeah, because they were on the 2012 list. But for now, we're going to see the 2012 list through. So mm-hmm. we're going to see it through to the end. We're going to finish it almost as if the 2022 list doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. I hope you are still on board with us. Uh, but we are obviously going to tackle the new films to the 2022 list once we finish the 2012 one. That was a great explanation. Thank you. That all sounds good to me. So what have you been watching in the last little bit here, Jackie? Oh, my God. This is so hard because I've seen a lot of new movies, like 2022 movies. But I don't really want to talk about them until we do our kind of retrospect episode, which we will be doing about the movies of 2022. So I kind of want to save those. A few titles I watched for the first time. uh, Working Girls by Lizzie Borden. Oh, that's on my list. Never seen it. So it was good. I really liked it, but it was just a little too 80s. Like the music choice, some of the acting choices and the sequences. But I I have a feeling a lot of that was kind of intentional because the the whole gist of the movie is about like it's a very objective look at prostitution in new york city contemporary then contemporary prostitution in new york city so i imagine like the intention behind it was to make this very like casual contemporary movie you know Mm -hmm. but it's just so 80s like you know when a movie's like and it's so weird because i don't feel that way about any other era like i'm okay with every other thing every other time (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think so. But it's something about the '80s that's so like that could ugly. be too much. Yeah, too, 80s. too much. The the synthesizer and the like saxophone and like things <laughs> like that. I don't know. You get what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an era like that? Not really. No. I like it. Don't get me wrong. But sen- but see, there are other '80s movies that are not like that. You know, there's plenty. You ju- so you don't like films of their time if it's the 80s, if it's two 80s. If it's two 80s, Got yeah. It. Yeah, I've come to that conclusion. But are you on board the 80s retro train that everyone's riding with like Stranger Things and stuff? Oh, you do. You watch um, Stranger Things. I like Stranger Things. I'm not like, I don't like die over it. I don't know. But like, okay, E.T. is not like overly 80s well, no. at all. Uh, After Hours. No. Well, those are like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like things like that, you know? 
but it's a good movie. Like I would definitely recommend watching it. It's, it's good. I finally watched beginners, which I had never seen the Mike Mills movie. Mike Mills. Yeah. I really liked it. It was really, really lovely. And it's so funny. Like a little movie miracle happened. So I think it was like the first movie I watched after my sister's wedding and my sister got married at the Biltmore hotel Guess where most of Beginners takes place? Oh, really? The Biltmore Hotel. Oh, cool. I didn't know like, that. Like most of the movie. It's like it's important to the movie. They don't mention the name Biltmore, but like it's all about like this girl who lives in a hotel and that hotel is the Biltmore. It's like Eloise. Yeah. No, she's an actress. <laughs> and like when she's in L.A., she lives at the Biltmore. So and it's like a Sofia Coppola lives... movie. Uh, you've never seen it? Somewhere. That's. Wait, what? No, I'm just saying people that live in hotels. No, I, yeah. I have not seen Beginners. You haven't seen it? No. You would really like it. That's Christopher not, Plummer, right? That's not what it's really about. Like, that's his son's romance in it. But it's really about Christopher Plummer. And Ewan McGregor is his son. And Christopher Plummer has died of cancer. And it's Ewan McGregor kind of, like, remembering and reminiscing. And uh, his dad out. came out as yeah. gay. He came out to him. Oh, like, he came out. Like, okay. four years before he died. Like, right after his mother passed away, actually. The dad came out and said, I'm gay. And it's a really, really sweet and heartfelt movie i enjoyed it immensely yeah i want to see it i loved come on come on so yeah I'm there. me too yeah you'll really like it what have you been watching so yeah i mean i didn't really touch on it last episode because we just got it right into the new sight and sound list but i did get married congrats <laughs> and uh honeymoons in italy so that Amazing. was great uh beautiful experience otherworldly experience and uh yeah i've just been like writing which is exactly what we said we were going to do. Obviously, Good. you're working on stuff too. Yeah. Uh, so I've been writing. I've been reading a lot. And I got married and I went to Italy. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's sort of what I've been up to. That sounds lovely. In terms of like the last couple of days, I did see a couple movies recently. I did see the new Christmas story. It's called The Christmas Story Christmas. It's on HBO Max. And a it's Christmas a sequel. Story Christmas? Yeah. You know about this? No. Do you like? I forget. You, I like it. Oh, I'm okay. not, like, you're like crazy lukewarm about it. Surprising number of people don't really like it. I get it, I guess. It's kind of annoying. Molly and her family do not like Christmas story. I grew up on Christmas story and I adore it and I couldn't understand why like half the people I talked to like, yeah, I don't like that movie. And I'm like, so I sat Molly down I'm like, just tell me, I'm curious why. And she's like, the narration is like too much and it thinks it's being really funny and it's not that funny. I was like, okay, I I get it now. Like I get the problems yeah, that people have yeah. with it. I love it. They just made a new one. It's not great. <laughs> it's it's all the same people. Really? So like all of them as adults are playing wow. their same characters. And unfortunately, it's not good. Did it's, you expect it to be good? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I felt like I had to see it. It's just it's kind of the worst of the like nostalgia movie craze where it's totally. like the movie is all callbacks. Yeah. And it doesn't have any pulse of its own. And the whole movie, the whole time, is just trying to justify its existence. That's sad. And uh, not great. And then to follow that up, I had never seen this. We did a double feature of these two, my friends and I. We did Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure, which is kind of infamous. And I'd been meaning to see this for a long time. And yeah, it's horrible. It's trash. For like the first 30 minutes... It's so unhinged that it's almost genius. Like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's so over the top. I'm like, oh, they're going for it. But then once they get to this, they, they go somewhere tropical for Christmas, and they get stranded on this desert island, and then it 
it loses all of its steam. But for the first like 20, 30 minutes, I was like, oh my God, this is like genius. That's so funny. I could list like 30 movies I've watched over the last couple months, but I'm going to spare everyone those details. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, let's do it. Let's just get into this <gasps> film that we've, I feel like we've both been waiting to, t- to talk about for so totally. long because it's such a key movie for both of us. Agreed. From 1952, this is Singing in the Rain. <laughs> Singing in the Rain was released in 1952. It was directed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan, written by Adolph Green and Betty Comden. Music by Nacio Herb Brown and Arthur Freed. And score by Lenny Hayton. Cinematography by Harold Rawson. This most classic of musicals tells the story of Don Lockwood, a silent film star living during the transitory period in which Hollywood adopted sound. One night at a party, Don meets Kathy Selden, an aspiring actress whom he later falls in love with. Dan and his frequent co-star, Lena Lamont, who wants their screen romance to continue off screen, take diction lessons and prepare to start talking in their pictures. Their first preview for their latest film is a disaster and Don is disheartened, doubting his self-worth and talents. With the help of Kathy and Don's best friend and pianist, Cosmo Brown, the trio conceive the idea to turn the picture into a musical. The only problem being that Lena can't sing and her voice is too shrill to be heard in public. The trio decide to have Kathy dub Lena's dialogue and singing. All is going well until Lena finds out and threatens the head of the studio pressuring him to agree to have Kathy dub all of Lena's films and preventing Kathy from having a career of her own. On opening night, Dawn and Cosmo expose Lena for the phony she is by pulling back the curtain and showing the world that Kathy is the true singer. The film ends with Kathy and Dawn staring lovingly at the poster for their newest film together, titled Singin' in the Rain. The film stars Gene Kelly as Dawn Lockwood, Debbie Reynolds as Kathy Selden, Donald O'Connor as Cosmo Brown, and Gene Hagen as Lena Lamont. The film also features Sid Charisse and Rita Moreno. Singing in the Rain was one of many MGM musicals produced in the Freed unit of the studio. Essentially, musicals that were produced by Arthur Freed, who was originally a lyricist at MGM writing songs with his partner, Nacio Herb Brown, for countless early sound musicals. He went on to become a producer and was instrumental in shaping the Hollywood careers of Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Vincent Minnelli, Frank Sinatra, Howard Keel, Catherine Grayson, and Sid Charisse. He produced about 45 musicals, and the producer character in Singing in the Rain, R.F., is based on him. Arthur Freed, R.F. The studio head? Yeah. Played by Millard Mitchell. Yeah, I forgot to mention Millard Mitchell. It's okay, We, we just did. Yay. Uh, For Singing in the Rain, Freed wanted to produce a musical to showcase the songs he and his partner had written. 
The only original songs written for the movie are Moses Supposes, which is taken from a tongue twister, obviously. But the writers, the two screenwriters, kind of helped in forming it into a song. And Make Him Laugh, which Freed wrote with Brown, his partner. However, the song itself is pretty much just a ripoff of a Cole Porter song, Be a Clown, from the 1948 Gene Kelly, Judy Garland movie, The Pirate. Yeah. Do you want to hear the song? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear a clip. Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh. Make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? My grandpa said, go out and tell them a joke. But give it plenty of hope. Make them roar, make them scream. Take a fall, but a wall split a scene. You start off by pretending you're a dancer with grace. You wiggle till they're giggling all over the place. And then you get a great big custard pie in the face. Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh. So that's hilarious. Yeah. It's just funny, this whole system, this freed unit, and how he's using his own songs, and then just like also using this song from another MGM musical, and it's like this big network. The studio system is just like. Well, it's almost like what Roger Corman was doing in the 50s and 60s in terms of like creating a set for one film and then using that set for every subsequent film. It's the same idea, but with a set of songs. Yeah, definitely. And this was the second time that Donan and Kelly co-directed a picture. I'm just going to call movies pictures, at least in this episode. (laughs) Hopefully this will carry on to other episodes, but at least in this episode. Uh, They had co-directed On the Town in 1949. And Stanley Donan's filmography is really impressive. I kind of like, mm-hmm. I never, I never, this Charade. is my first time like watching this movie as a critic, let's say, like with an analytical eye and like actually doing my research. And yeah, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which I actually don't like. I don't even. <laughs> Royal Wedding, Charade, Funny Face, which I love, Two for the Road, another Audrey Hepburn movie. With oh, yeah. Albert Finney. But Charade. Charade. Like, Charade's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all Funny Face is great, too. Don't get me wrong, but just different. Yeah. The film was nominated for only two Academy Awards. You know why? Because of... Wait, no, I don't know why. It's because the year before, American in Paris yes. swept and got yes, Best yes, Picture. Yes. And I think they were like, okay, well, we just gave them yeah. all the awards last year. Like, let's hold right. back a little bit. Even though this is clearly the better film. Uh, oh, obviously. Um, the two Academy Awards it was nominated for was Best Scoring of a Musical Picture, which didn't go to Freed and Brown, but actually like wasn't nominated. They weren't the ones nominated, but the the composer of the score was, which is like weird. And Best Supporting Actress for Jean Hagen, yeah. which is deserved. She Very fucking well deserves de- it. She should have won. She really does. She should have won. And funnily enough, although one of the main plots of the movie involves Kathy Selden dubbing Nina Lamont's <laughs> voice. Yep. Debbie Reynolds's voice was dubbed yep. while her character was dubbing. So while she's dubbing Lena's lines, that's actually Gene Hagen's regular voice. Do you want to hear it? I actually did not know that. Yes. 
Nothing can keep us apart. Our love will last till the stars turn cold. That's Jean Hagen doing her like actual like wow. what's it called? North Atlantic accent. Transatlantic. Transatlantic accent. But Marnie Nixon dubs her singing voice. No, right? it wasn't Marnie Nixon. Oh. It was. I will tell you right now. So the that speaking line where Kathy Selden is supposed to be dubbing Lena, that's Jean Hagen. But the songs for the Dancing Cavalier, which are Would You and You're My Lucky Star. Actually, You're My Lucky Star happens like at the premiere. It's really random. That those songs are dubbed by Betty Noyes. Betty Noyes, right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, yes. Which is so ironic. Yeah, but Debbie does sing. Debbie singing does in the sing. rain. She sings "Singing in the Rain." Good morning. Good morning. Let's yeah. not forget. Here we are, sunset in Camden. That's her. <laughs> no, I know. It just blows my mind that it, within the you same know, film, they would dub her. It blows like, my mind. And you know what? <laughs> it, before this sitting, I had noticed it. Obviously, you kind of have to be dumb not to notice it. But really, in this sitting, when I when I when it happened, I was just like, yeah. I, it took me a second. Yeah. I was like, wait. Yeah. I don't want to say it ruins it because nothing could ruin this movie, but like it's ironic. It taints that, it a little bit. That's the, the subject of the movie exactly. that they're like making fun of. Exactly, and then, exactly. And she has such a beautiful singing voice such too. A beautiful you know Tammy? Voice. Yeah, Tammy. Oh my God, yeah. I love Tammy. Yeah, yeah. The film, this is my last bit of specs, last few bits. The film wasn't really a big hit because an American in Paris, American Paris, which came out a year before, was way more popular. But as time went on, it has taken its place on the top it is number five on the afi list it's number one on their musical list and the original film negative was destroyed in a fire it wouldn't be seen and heard without that fact <laughs> right doesn't that come up all the time yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, but this is number 20 on the 2012 sight and sound list mm -hmm. you know what i have to say about all that what ta te ti to tu bunch of dopes round tones <laughs> i love that diction co coach oh she's great yeah yeah she's so 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 good oh, oh pierre you shouldn't have come you shouldn't have come <laughs> i love her well then everybody was a dope that's how i feel like like maybe in a hundred years or 200 years when social media doesn't exist anymore like if I lived back like in the future, like I feel like that's going to happen in the future. They're going to be like, what? Everyone carried around these little phones and like. Oh, it's going to get worse. Are everybody you was me? a dope. It's going to get worse. No, I think they're going to say everybody <laughs> was a dope. What are your initial thoughts? How do you even do initial exactly. thoughts for singing in the rain? You know what? My, who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay. <laughs> Just because you asked, uh, I'll, I'll do it. I'll volunteer myself. How dare you? So funnily enough, I did not grow up with this movie. My parents did not show me this movie and therefore they failed as parents. <laughs> because <laughs> come bit. on, come on. Seriously, yeah. I did not see this until I, I want to say I was like in eighth grade. Well, that's, still, that's a good year. I guess, but I, I should have seen this when I was like three. <laughs> you wouldn't have understood anything. I would have. It's all pretty clear. But no, I saw this for the first time. It was like eighth grade and I think... I was going through this phase where I was just trying to see these like really iconic movies that I hadn't seen before. Like in I know eighth grade. I, yeah. I talked to you before about like, I would, I like, actually this is pre me seeing like Citizen Kane and Casablanca, but I was, 
I had seen Pulp Fiction and I had seen stuff that was like charging me up. And uh, anyway, so I remember going to Blockbuster Video because Blockbuster used to have a section where they would also sell movies. They didn't just Mm -hmm, rent. mm -hmm. And I remember they had Singing in the Rain and I went there specifically to get Singing in the Rain. And I'm like in eighth grade and I take it up to the counter and the woman who's checking me out, she's like, she like pauses for a second. She like takes pause and she's like, excellent choice. Oh, <laughs> that is so cute. But no, it's funny because yeah, I grew up with Sound of Music, which I love. It is very near, very near and dear to my heart. I grew up with the Disney musicals, mm-hmm. but I have to credit Singing in the Rain for actually like fully getting me into musicals yeah. because seeing Singing in the Rain for the first time was almost like the first time I saw Goodfellas where it's just like so much of a great thing mm-hmm. where it almost like slaps you across the face and you're like, where's this movie been all my life? Yeah. And I just didn't know that you could make a musical as exuberant and colorful as yeah. Singing in the Rain. And so it was a huge deal for me. It's and yeah, no dancing. No, I'm. I oh, don't the dancing. Cut you off, no, but, like, exactly. It's the first time you watch, like, wow, that's tap dancing. No, exactly, because you know the Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff is more restrained. Yeah. Like Sound of Music. There's not there's a lot no of tap, dancing. Yeah, it's just there's, people, yeah, yeah, there's no tap. And there's so, traditional Austrian folk dancing. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> but the fact in this that you get a master of his craft. Yeah. Not well, okay. Not just Gene Kelly, but also Debbie Reynolds and Donald O'Connor. Sid Charisse. Sid Charisse. Exactly. I would say Rita Moreno, but she doesn't really do anything. Yeah. You know. But it's still a legend. But still the, iconic that she's in this movie. No, it's great. She's Zelda. Um, but no, the fact that, yeah, seeing all of the this, this spectacle of it, I was never the same after. There's pre-Singing totally, in the Rain and totally, post-Singing in the Rain. Totally. And you know what? I think in so many respects, it's still my number one musical. I know that's kind of like the bland choice because, of course, Singing in the Rain is great. But I mean, come I don't on. There's, think it's a bl- like, no. I don't you think this has be ever bland. been surpassed. Yeah. yeah. What about you? It, these are my initial thoughts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wish I could go back and tell you little Jackie's initial thoughts, but I cannot. Uh, this was this is probably the movie on the list that I've seen the most. Actually, easily. Rear Window I've seen a lot, but I don't think as much as Singing in the Rain. Yeah. What about you? Do you have you seen another movie more, you think? On the list? Yeah. No, probably not. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this was like a coming home. It was a homecoming. Like, it was wonderful. When aliens invade. I'm like really talking about the future in this episode. Yeah. When aliens invade and they ask us about culture and they ask us about life and they ask us about movies, we will say we will hold singing in the rain like a film reel of it and say, (laughs) behold, the movie musical. (laughs) Like those are my initial thoughts. this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a fact. Like I love many 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 musicals you do that seems to me i don't have favorites like i can't i i can't choose favorites and i know we talked like when we did moulin rouge if i had to choose if someone was pointing a gun to my head and i had to choose three movie musicals not in any particular order probably sound of music moulin rouge singing in the rain Mm. that's not the order that's just like if they were you know um <laughs> i also but i also love cabaret and like oh. it's, it's hard right but like the like if this is it come on yeah i think that like and it talking about singing in the rain is just talking about movies itself i feel like yep because like it's the duality right of movies it's like this very intricate balance between being an escape and being a reflection of the world 
And this movie is just the ultimate universally agreed upon escape, I think. Like, yes. truly. Yeah. This and like Wizard of Oz, Wizard I feel Oz. a similar way. Right. Um, but the spectacle of this, the, the, the craftsmanship in this surpasses Wizard of Oz in terms of yes. seeing them tap dancing on a table in yeah. unison, making it look easy, making yes. it look effortless. Singing in, the Ra- Singing in the Rain is also more a kind of like age, like for every... I mean, like well, Wizard of Oz yeah. is... That is too. It is, but like, I don't know. People associate it more as like a kid's movie. A little bit, a mm. little bit. More than Singing in the Rain. Um... I feel like this movie is kind of an accidental icon. Like MGM was just like busting out movie musicals. And the songs in this are not particularly like moving or different. In fact, they're all recycled songs. They've all shown up in movies before. But like the stars aligned to make this movie. I think it's like the writers who were theater writers. This is a hilarious movie. Like this is freaking funny and always going to be funny. It's Gene Hagen, like the comedy of Gene Hagen, uh, Donald O'Connor. It's the emperor of dance just being a god. Would you say you like Gene Kelly more than Fred Astaire? Yeah, easily. Yeah. I do too. I yeah, do too. yeah. I mean, I love Fred Astaire. Don't get me wrong. But like Gene Kelly, I'm like in love with. Yeah. You same. know? <laughs> um, you have Debbie Reynolds being adorable. Not only that, though, you have a story that's like a love letter to movies, but also it's not afraid to be satirical and make fun of them. It's a gentle satire. Yeah. It's, it's gentle because it, it's satirical, but it also loves film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And all the while, it's just the most incredible staging you've ever seen. Like it's the numbers and the costumes and it's just everything. Those is, are my initial thoughts. It is everything. Are we overselling this movie? No. How do you oversell Singing in the Rain? I don't know. No, you touched on a really interesting point that I want to expand on. You said that this that this is the ultimate musical, despite having musical, like the songs are not. They're not. They're yeah, nothing no, special. It's true. And you know what? I didn't realize that until like years after i had yeah. seen it like wait most of the songs are like not super remarkable they're not but somehow this is still like the greatest musical and that's such a testament to the Isn't film that's so crazy like yeah. it's not like an oscars and hammersteins musical where like the lyrics stick with you and you know them and they're beautiful and right. life-changing it's just like well some these are them. plain songs <laughs> no i mean i, I like some of the songs from this film i'll listen to like you know while i'm driving or something really? but only a like couple what? only a couple like would you? Would you would is a big you? one for me. I love would you, <laughs> or like uh, good. good morning. You know, listen to that. Good. Good morning has been used in like so many commercials. I know. And, I like... know. But no, it's it's true. That's such a testament to the movie. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about this movie is why it works so well. Yeah, the stars align. My dad used to say. <laughs> he would bring this up about Seinfeld. He would be like, "Oh, the stars just aligned for that one." That's like, so. And funny. I'm like, it's a, it's a perfect way to describe this movie yeah. of like if they did align, and the fact that you have Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly, and the fact that Gene Kelly is a true artist, like he's yeah. not just a dancer. I think he could have almost been like a Bob Fosse in terms of like making great films, like as a as a director. But what I think what he brings to this beyond his incredible charisma and and skill of just dance is the fact that he was a fan of Powell and Pressburger yeah. and he had seen the red shoes yeah. and he brought that into uh, American in Paris. You know, of obviously course. American Paris ends with this big dream sequence mm-hmm. around the fountain and everything. Mm-hmm. This sort of uh, impressionistic thing, which again is the Broadway melody in Singing in the of Rain course. is just a sequel to that sequence. Yeah. And it's all Gene Kelly. He was, I remember for American in Paris, 
the studio was like, uh, we don't want to do this like 20 minute ballet sequence. That's like wordless. And he's like, look at the fucking red shoes. Amazing. <laughs> like, and they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> so Gene Kelly is elevating this in so of many course. ways. Um, but yeah, uh, also He's like, st- I don't yeah. think Fred Astaire would ever do that. No, never. <laughs> Not to like totally I throw him under the bus. No, I yeah. love him. No, I agree with he you. Wouldn't. I agree. So another thing, another thing that works so well in this movie and why it works so well, I think is like the seamless way the musical numbers come together. Yes. So like, well, the cool thing about it is the the fact that the framework of the yes. movie is about filmmaking. That's they what can I was then say. make the sequences anything exactly. they want. Exactly. So it's this mix of like diegetic and non-diegetic music, right? Because you have you know what I was thinking about it, and technically most of the songs could be diegetic. Like they could actually exist in the world of the movie. And I think that's why it appeals to so many people because when you ask someone like, why don't you like musicals? The answer is always usually always like i just can't stand when they like burst into song but in this movie it's framed so perfectly because they are making movies and they are making musicals in it so it's like natural well, do you get what yes i mean yes and no for some most, of it for some, some of, of it. it yeah moses supposes it's not natural no 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 no, no. <laughs> but it's fun yeah like fit the whole fit is a fiddle oh, sequence, yeah. uh-huh. which is so good we'll talk about that intro later yeah all i do is dream of you yeah that one yeah. is um that's true Beautiful girl, which I love. Okay, now let's talk about that really quick. Beautiful, Beautiful girl. girl, because for years I liked it, but I'm like, what the fuck is this doing in this movie? And then I realized <laughs> that the movie is just recalling. It's recalling Busby Berkeley. It's yeah, recalling yeah. all of the sort of musical eras of up course. until that point. And I'm like, but I remember as a kid. Well, again, I saw this in eighth grade, but I was like, what the fuck? Especially when they're cutting to like the different women I with love, like the monkey coats yeah. and like all that stuff, like the, the fur tweed coats. suit. I love. Yeah. Oh my god. But it started quite a riot. It's so good, <laughs> and the song is good too. It's Beautiful catchy. Girl. Yeah. Make them laugh. Obviously, you were meant for me. Those ones are kind of the more like non-diegetic ones. Well, make them laugh. Maybe well, could be no, no, no. exactly. But while we're touching on make it laugh, are we going to talk about make it laugh now? Do you want to talk about it real quick? Yeah. <laughs> Why I not? I feel like this episode's just whizzing like, by. Boop, 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 yeah. Boop. <laughs> make them laugh. I, I'm sure you know Donald O'Connor had a really terrible time filming mm-hmm. that scene. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a very you see the movie and you're like, holy shit, this looks very taxing. And sure enough, it was. And I think he. He either, do you know, he either had a heart attack or he like almost had a he heart was attack. very ill, yeah. And he, he like, always like says like, I was smoking four packs back then. Yeah, like, like everybody. But he was hospitalized due to exhaustion from, yeah. from filming that scene. And then he came back, he was released and they had to film the whole thing over. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. It just shows like the blood, sweat and tears that went into Definitely. these old Hollywood musicals. Yeah. Uh, In a Debbie way that, Reynolds, yeah. yeah. Debbie Reynolds said that her feet were bleeding after um, Good Morning. Yeah. No, that's the whole thing. It took like so long to shoot apparently the Good Morning song, which is, uh, it's one of my well, favorite it's numbers. three of them too. And you have the stairs. Three and... of them. You have the moving through the rooms, which was almost my favorite slide. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's not just the three of them don't just need to be coordinated. The camera has to be coordinated. Of course, Everyone, a, it's a, yes. yeah, it's a whole thing. And Gene symphony. Kelly was like super pedantic, one could say, yeah. about like the dancing. I mean, as you can probably tell, but like he was really strict. Obviously, this is like kind of the dark side of Singing in the Rain, just like really hard on Debbie Reynolds because she wasn't a dancer. She was um, a gymnast, actually. She was like a trained gymnast. So that sequence took a really long time, but. Well, supposedly, so because this was her first movie, they didn't send her a car. So she took the bus 
she literally took the bus to get to the set of this movie. And I think the story goes that Fred Astaire found Debbie Reynolds yeah, crying under that. a piano or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I believe it. I don't know. These it's are all like myths. <laughs> old Hollywood myths. I don't yeah. know. And then like just going back to the like seamless way everything blends into each other. You almost think like when she sings like, here we are, sunset in Camden. You almost think like that's going to be a song in and of itself. Yeah. Like it's just the way that it's melted into it. And even the dream ballet. Like... It's very purposefully extravagant. Like he is telling RF that like this is going to be a scene in the movie. And so like that's what I mean in that it's like it's so natural and seamless that I feel like that's why that's what makes it so lovable for people that don't even like musicals. Yes. Yes. I think that's key. I think this is one that even if you don't like musicals, that's just the the sheer craftsmanship on display. Like how can you not like singing in the rain? I agree. So yeah, let's talk about this like opening sequence, the premiere at the of... Chinese theater. Yeah, what's the name of the movie? It's the, the Royal Rascal. Rascal. Yeah, the Royal Rascal. <laughs> what's with all these like French aristocratic movies these two are making? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Well, it's funny because um, I don't th- I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a film, uh, Day of the Locust, by John Schlesinger. That's incredible, incredible, but. I would love to do a double feature with Singing in the Rain and Day of the Locust because Day of the Locust is the nightmare inverse of Singing in the Rain. So you told me about this. I remember. Yeah, Karen Black is in yeah. it and uh, Donald Sutherland. Yes. So like there's a big sequence that's set at the Chinese theater in that film too. Around the same time, I think it's like the 20s. Yeah. And instead of <laughs> the nice sort of breezy premiere of the Royal Rascal that we have in Singing in the Rain, it is a nightmare sequence. Oh my God. It's a big crowd and shit gets out of control and people are getting trampled and dying. And it's oh literally shot like a God. horror film. But like, I would love to do these movies back to back because Singing in the Rain is such a gentle satire, whereas yeah. Dave the Locust is the nightmare version of Hollywood. Like Jeez. almost more nightmarish than Mulholland Drive. But how like... Actually, no, I want to see it. I'm not going to ask you. You should see it. It's incredible. Yeah. You can borrow it if you want. Sure. It might be region B. I have to double check. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I have to check. Um, but no, yeah, the Royal Rascal premiere. Is, so yeah. the Royal Rascal premiere <laughs> and the way that it's just like depicting fandom and just like it's so funny. Yeah. It genuinely, I think another thing I love about this movie, and I kind of already mentioned it, but just it makes me laugh every single time. That random dude who's like, Zelda! Zelda. Ah, Like, what? (laughs) The girls who are chewing gum and they're like holding a magazine and it zooms in. Yeah. And then the girls who are watching the movie, of course, and they're like, she's so refined. I I think I'll just kill myself. Yeah. (laughs) And just Don Lockwood's smile. Like, the way he's like, he's got that big smile on his face. Dignity. It's so funny. Always dignity. And of course, that sequence is hilarious. Like, that is so, so funny. Yeah, what a great way to introduce the whole film. Amazing. You're right. The the It's such a smart way to introduce his characters, like this classic what you hear versus what you see, like the yeah. narration and then you're seeing the truth. And it's, it's so smart. We arrived in sunny California yeah, and it's like raining. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about it, like that, if you think about the story overall of Singing in the Rain... It is kind of about this push towards authenticity mm-hmm. because they want Kathy Selden to like actually be the singer and they want to use her voice and they don't want to pretend. And even Don Lockwood, like he knows that he's not that guy, but he knows that he is this guy and he wants to be true to himself. So like starting it out with so much like fakeness, it's just so smart. I would love to see 
the film that we see the, see the billboard for at the end, Singing in the Rain. Because I bet too. it's about this, probably. No, I bet it's like you know, is it implied that that's like the film we just saw? No, I just imagine. I I get the impression it's like a more like a kitchen sink uh, musical. Oh my <laughs> god! No, you know it's funny actually. I um. My wife and I, we had our, as you know, our save the dates for our wedding. So cute. Was modeled after that poster at the end. You the, should post it on Instagram. The Kathy Selden Don Lockwood thing. You should uh, post it on Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, we did. We hired an artist to draw our profiles in like the old movie poster style and literally recreated that. I don't know how many people got it, but we did it. Oh, I have mine. Mine is still up. Like, <laughs> no, in terms of like how many people like checked oh, that it was singing that in the rain. Oh, that it was singing in the rain. Yeah. A lot of people did no because it's not the singing in the rain poster you know it's not the movie poster for singing no, in the rain. Know, it's the movie within a movie yeah and you know like even lena lamont the fact that she's actually convinced that they're a couple even though like they're not she's but it's a just child she reads it in the magazine <laughs> like it's just all this great satire i and love that don lockwood calls it banana oil <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> i love everything he says i love everything everyone says yeah. it's a cosmo Cosmo just, Kramer. Wait. His name's Cosmo, right? Yeah, it's Cosmo. What? You confused me when you said Cosmo Kramer. It's because Kramer's name in I know! <laughs> but don't you love how the movie itself is even bashing the studio system? It even is. Even while it was made during the studio system? It is. Like the way with the contracts and the but, whole Kathy thing. But again, it's gentle because Millard Mitchell, as the head of the studio, is still a likable guy. And because he tells Debbie, he tells Lena Lamont, he's like, I wouldn't do that to, yeah, to Kathy. She'd be exactly. throwing away a career when in reality he would exactly he would absolutely ruin her career and he would probably totally, be totally have molesting her while he does it. Yes. Because that was the studio system. Fear not. I shall not molest you. <laughs> I am a visible jester. Um totally. And this is where I want to get into the dream ballet, because I feel like where Singing in the Rain, the movie Singing in the Rain, had to kind of like follow the code and be happy and like I just said it's like about authenticity, which it kind of is. But at the end of the day, it's happy and it ends happy, even though it's about show people. But the dream ballet is where the truth actually comes out, because that is about an actor who gains the world, but mm -hmm. he loses the one he loves. Right. And it's like it's almost as if Gene Kelly knew that like the actual singing in the rain couldn't have a sad ending. Yes. But like, yes. this dream yes. ballet tells the truth, which <laughs> yes. is beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's hidden. It's tucked in there because it's wordless. Oh my God. It is. And because it's not the real ending to the film. Exactly. No, that's, and that's it. if you think about it, Kathy Selden is, now we're like really, we're doing a deep dive, but Kathy Selden is a theater actress, right? And yet she all of a sudden gives up this ambition. The movie's perfect. Don't get me wrong. I am not in any way bashing. Wait, how does she give it up, though? To become a movie star? Yeah. But that's an elevated. That's. It's but not she wants to be a serious actress. Yeah, but maybe she's going to do it on the screen. Maybe. She's, st she's still in the same profession. It's not like she went from one thing to another. It's true. But like she wouldn't be reading fan magazines, one. <laughs> Why did she go out and buy them? I guess she had a crush on him, maybe. But like... <laughs> I really like what she says in the beginning about how she like, yeah, it's just pantomime. But I guess because they came, became talkies, like she was able to actually speak on the screen. But she's doing musicals. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with musicals. If but you've seen I'm one, saying, you've seen them all. Listen, what I'm saying <laughs> is that maybe in the real Singing in the Rain story, in the real movie, Kathy Selden and Don Lockwood might not have lasted because the they're both actors. And like, she seems like she has other ambitions. And I don't know. 
know. Maybe they wouldn't have lasted. But that's why the dream sequence is so beautiful. In the real Singing in the Rain, Kathy would have left him for a younger man and he would have died of a drug overdose. That's so sad. That's really dark. You don't have to go that far. She probably just got a great role in New York and like wanted to go to New York. And he's like, but our lives are here making pictures. And she's like, actually, I want to be a serious stage actress. Anyway, dream ballet. (laughs) Dream ballet. Dream ballet. Do you like that there's a dream within the dream? Yes. This is the dream ballet, right? And then there's a dream in the dream, which is a scarf, which is one of the most beautiful scenes of all time in any movie ever. Like, truly, I... Like, I can't watch that scene without crying. And I'm not sad. I'm just, like, overwhelmed with emotion. Like, when I was a kid, I like, when her when her dress goes straight up and it crescendos, I was just like, how? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's the most beautiful. Like, oh, did you know that a section of the dance was cut due to censorship? Like, Sid Charisse, like, put her legs around Gene Kelly, like, a little too, like, sensually, oh and it was cut. Yeah, this is Eisenhower America. And that, that whole thing does run through it. There is a, there is a s- slightly conservative attitude to that the whole movie has which again um it's it's just a product of its time but yeah because they they worked together in something else was it brigadoon is she in brigadoon so here's the thing i always thought that sid charisse appearing in this movie was like a cool cameo of like an mgm star but she really became famous after this movie Uh brigadoon and the bandwagon were after singing in the rain do you like brigadoon yeah i you You don't like it I, I don't dislike it. Oh, wait, it. not Brigadoon. Uh, I thought you meant the bandwagon. I've never seen Brigadoon. Oh, see it, see it. I know, it, it's, it's like high on my list. It's like good, but it's not. That's the thing, you know. I've heard like such mixed things about it, but I'll yeah. watch anything with Citrice. Like, yeah, see it. It's yeah. the two of them. And Gene, oh my God, and yeah. Gene Kelly. And Gene like, Kelly. <laughs> um, but like, I love how, okay, let's talk about like the context of the Dancing Cavalier in which this dream sequence is supposed to take place. There's no context. Like no. it makes no sense. No, the the film here. that they actually made is gonna be a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I like too how they like literally two weeks before the movie is supposed to like wide release, they're just like, oh yeah, piece of cake, just add, add in singing weeks. uh six but weeks. Still. So yeah, it's like, oh my God. This is like you could not have done that in this time. Right. Uh, but I mean their dancing is just like the fact, okay, the fact that he literally, it's not the lead of the movie in this dream sequence is so crazy. And that was yeah. another thing I think when I was young, I didn't really understand. I'm like, wait, why isn't it Kathy? But it just goes to show you that Gene Kelly was so particular. And, t- and I don't blame him. Like, well, and head of his, he's the head best of dancer time. in the world. Yeah. Like, you have to have an amazing, like, actually trained yeah. ballerina. Yeah. And it's an elegant way to do it, to work her in through this dream within a dream, right. basically. A dream within an imaginary film. Yes. Um, yes. It's genius. It's stunning. It's, it's genius. always stunning. It's never not stunning. That's what I love about it. Yeah. No, there's, I mean, every, almost every dance sequence in this film is stunning. There is one, it's funny, it's it's iconic, but the you were meant for me scene Mm -hmm. where Don brings Kathy into the soundstage and turns on the lights, like turns on the clouds and the the wind and she's on a ladder is a little stilted. And I've actually read some like, it's a beautiful song. And I think the song, the beauty of the song carries that scene. Mm -hmm. But I like the way that the movie kind of like, ratchets up so like in the beginning the first thing the what first stilted like in terms of it's very still 
he does a little bit of tap in it and stuff. He yeah. kind of twirls her a little bit, but it's very like reserved. Yeah. And I, I just like that the movie ratchets up. So like the first one in the film is uh, Fit as a Fiddle, yeah. which is great. And it's like a vaudeville type thing. Yeah. And again, they're showing like Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly are amazing in it. Yeah. But it's like, it's like pants, you know, it's uh, it's vaudeville. It's like yeah. throwaway. And then as the move, the film goes on and on and on, it the builds, dancing builds, ups and ups and ups. Yeah. And then like, I think for me, the the, the dance scene, the, the musical sequence where you like really get to see the tap dancing like full force as Moses supposes. Yes. And then again, the film just builds and builds and then you Good get morning. the whole 20 minute uh, fantasies, maybe 10, 10. Min- 10 minute. Yeah. Uh, dream, uh, Broadway melody sequence, yeah. which is just like, yeah, like you're saying like with the scarf and it's like now it's art. Yeah. Like compare fit as a fiddle yeah and then dancing in that to the centuries with the flowing scarf yeah. like oh my god the fact that those exist together in the same film is like crazy yeah what what range right yeah and you know good morning is so good and i think debbie is so i mean she's amazing in the whole movie but i think in good morning she's so like that's debbie oh, that's, Reynolds. that's like, her that is that's her shining scene yeah yeah yeah, she leads that song. Aww. So good. Are you kidding me? I miss her. Have you seen this on film ever? No. I saw it at the New Bev in 35. If you get a chance, because the New Bev, whatever print they book, maybe it's from like the MGM vaults, is like pristine. Wow. And it looks incredible. And it's again, I've seen this movie 20 times in my life and going to see it on 35 with an audience, it still felt like a new movie. Mm. And it's like a cliche, like, oh, you haven't seen it till you've seen it on film. But like, it really is all like a new film. Wow. And just seeing it with an audience that like reacts and. Yeah. Oh, my God. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, <sighs> I want to talk about Jean Hagen really quick. Let's talk about her. So I love her. She doesn't get the credit, I think. I, obviously, she was nominated, but she doesn't get the credit for this role. I don't think so either. And I think a lot of people think that she talks like that in real life i think so because i did for a long time (laughs) and i i saw her in a film called asphalt asphalt jungle it's a john houston movie it's kind of like a noir and she's so good in it and she's so like restrained and subtle and it's like i almost think it it wasn't until i saw her in other stuff that i was like oh shit like i've been sleeping on her like she's her performance in singing in the rain is so great it's so funny and she Honestly, it's tough to do because she's doing a voice and then she's doing like the fact that because you hear her in the film, right? You hear her actual voice. The clip that I just. Yeah, yeah, the clip that you played earlier. And then you hear her like New York voice like trying. That's the big idea. Yeah. Like it's it's like that morphed with her own voice. It's like there's there's like a lot of layers to that. Like what she's doing there. And she makes it look so effortless. She makes everything look effortless. Yeah. She's like one of the MVPs here. She's easily the, like she is one of the MVPs. Like she deserves top billing with the three stars. No, no dancing though. That's true. Or singing. I guess you get a second of her singing. Would you? But that's not her though. Well, that's no, you like, hear her actual voice for a second. Oh, remember? Why do you? Yeah. Why do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Can't stand him. She's so good. God, so she's good, good in this. And again, she wasn't a blonde. Like, it I just know. I really tra- transforms love- herself. Yeah. She, yeah. I really love when they're like, when he finds out right before they start shooting that like she was the one that got Kathy fired. First of all, her scream when she gets a pie thrown in her oh, face. Oh yeah, that's great. 
It's so funny. But when she gets Kathy fired, like, and he, she tells him, like, right before they start shooting the scene, and they're just, like, throwing jabs at each other while, like, kissing and stuff. It's so oh, good. Oh, it's so good. Hilarious. It's so good. I love her line, I can't make love to, to a, a bush. bush. Yeah. She has so many, so many good lines. I love when RF comes in and just pulls the microphone yeah, cable. <laughs> I love asshole. RF. RF is underrated. When I was young, I used to think he was so stiff. Yeah. And like, wow, this guy's a really bad actor. Like, I didn't realize. He's like doing got, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Until I was older, I'm like, oh no, like he's supernatural. I saw him in something too recently where I was like, again, he's not that character at he's all. He's in Thing, uh, the Billy Wilder movie, Foreign Affair. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, again, he was like, no, because there, there, this movie, because the script is so tight and like quippy, mm-hmm. it requires a certain kind of just like, because like, let, let's be completely real here. So few in this people in this movie are like actually great actors. Like, I love Gene Kelly. Is he like a great actor? No, but he has the he has the presence and charisma and he has the dance, right? Donald O'Connor, again, like good he's perfect for the movie but no one here outside of like gene hagan sort of and maybe millard mitchell are like proper actors that sounds really mean i'm not trying to debbie's be mean really good. no debbie's great too but again uh, debbie's a great actress i wouldn't say great does she ever do who's afraid of virginia wolf or something i don't know hey how dare you bring up Listen, that movie how dare you bring up liz taylor's name when in a conversation about <laughs> debbie reynolds okay no i'm just saying that like Look, I love everyone in this movie, but like, where was I even going with this point? I don't, you were saying they're not good actors. Oh, oh, just, but no, but Millard Mitchell, again, like for a long time, I thought the same thing right, as you. I was like, like, he's stiff, stiff and yeah. like, but it's like, no, he was actually a really exactly. good actor. It's just the material. It's the material. And I think he's playing this like 50s man, like studio head, a yeah. 20s man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Should we you know, oh. wait, 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 one of my lines, I always think about this. Yeah. And it always bugs me is when they go to RF's house. Yeah. After the premiere of The Royal Rascal and the movie screen starts opening. And oh, Don yeah. literally says, A movie? We've it's just seen good. one. Yeah, yeah. And that line always bothers me. I'm like, Motherfucker, you can watch two oh, movies in a day. God. How dare you try to stifle me or shame me for watching two oh, films my in a God. day? You know what always bothered me? That Debbie's boots were completely in the opening, the like the really cute, like they turn around and they just sing singing in the rain for like right before the credits roll. Uh-huh. Her boots are like wide open and getting soaking her feet are getting soaking wet. Oh yeah. Like well, what? you know what? Actually, before we do sight and sound, yeah. we should talk about the singing in the rain sequence. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we should. I feel like we should. Oh my god, I didn't even realize it's because talks about that i know but for good reason i mean everyone was a dope it's so i mean i can only imagine you know that that's the kind of thing that makes me appreciate uh gene kelly almost like a he's like the the tom cruise of dance where it's like he will put himself through the ringer and of course like we know like the the rain is made of milk like there's milk in the water because milk shows up better on camera than just like straight water so he's literally soaked in like milk water and he's like again those every tap he does like Mm -hmm. the water is splashing everywhere it's Mm -hmm. all in his shoes he's soaked and of course i'm sure they had to do that over and over and over again i'm sure he practiced in the rain too yeah and did you hear that rumor that he had like a 103 fever yeah (laughs) (laughs) sounds like donald o'connor had it worse but um and debbie reynolds but 
No, it's I, I appreciate the fact that he puts himself through the ringer too. Like obviously What can you say about that scene? Like what can you even It's just so iconic. It's too iconic to talk <laughs> it's about. It's too iconic to talk about. It was featured in The Great Movie Ride. Oh closed. Did you ever go on that in Disney World? I never went. I, never went. I saw the video. I've watched it many, many times. Yeah. Um, and Gene Kelly himself like went and watched it and approved. Like he <gasps> saw his own animatronic oh and my like God. approved. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. I know. That scene is just like, that scene is equal to like Fräulein Maria frolicking through the mountains. It's more iconic than it's that. It's a little more iconic, but yeah. like those are like when you think, like I said, when aliens come, like when you think movie musical, it's like that scene. Do you think there's a scene in any film, not just a musical, but any film that's as iconic as the Singing in the Rain sequence? Like Dorothy entering Oz? Yeah. Yeah. There's more. There's more. Think of like Godfather. Yeah, but as iconic as that? Like I'm trying to think of one scene from The Godfather, from the Godfather. that's as iconic. Like the opening. Besides just like a line. I feel like yeah, that that <laughs> line is iconic, but like E.T. the bicycling. Even then. That's cl- okay, that's close. That's close. Yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's got to be up there. For sure it's up there. It's uh, beautiful. What is there to say about it? It's been spoofed many a times. It's been recreated at Disneyland. It's been <laughs> Disney World. Excuse Disney me. World. I'm Actually, sorry. it's like Disney I'm MGM really Studios. Sorry. <laughs> it's. I think it's called Hollywood <laughs> Studios, or it was. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Like, I don't know. Does either. anyone know what is going on there? I don't know. My dream. This is like a dream I'm gonna manifest. Is that like the great movie ride is like hidden somewhere downstairs in like the storage? Like of they Disneyland. kept it. Do you think they did? No. I'm sure they kept the figures. Um, My dream is to like, I don't know, stumble upon it one day, (laughs) buy it on auction. The great movie ride had this sequence from the Busby Berkeley movie Footlight Parade, where it's like the human waterfall, Uh where it's like just, you know, sit like a cone shaped platform Uh with people. Mm Mm-hmm. I couldn't even watch the video of that ride of that part without totally losing my mind, like freaking out. Because of your weird, like uncanny valley thing. Yeah. And I think too, because (laughs) I forget what the name of this phobia is, but because after a while they put a screen in front of it that you could still see through because it wasn't like properly turning and it was not lit. And so the fact that it was just there and no lights were on it and you could just like see it there, like that's (laughs) the stuff of my nightmares. Truly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. What do you th- it was our Disneyland plug. What do you th- yeah, exactly. We had to get it in somewhere. What what do you think about Kubrick's use of the song in Clockwork Orange? Please, please. I don't want to talk about well, it. Well, wait, no, I think it deserves <laughs> okay, hold on. Because the story goes, Gene Kelly was pissed over it, right? But, I would be too. But Gene Kelly says it wasn't that he used the song in Clockwork Orange. Obviously, if you haven't seen Clockwork Orange, it's used during a very graphic scene like one of the hardest scenes to ever watch ever in a movie i don't know about that but I, come on <laughs> there's i mean there's some movies jackie that have been made that's all i have to say but um he wasn't mad that it was used he was mad that he didn't get paid for it really i thought he was mad that it was used he later said he's like no i just wanted to get, like be properly compensated for it i don't know and again this is like because not to again this episode's I, not about clockwork orange oh sorry go ahead i think kubrick is like a like I think he was a genius, yeah. and I think that, like I, I obviously understand what he's doing, but like, am I happy about it? No. Am I supposed to be? No. So it's like, in a way, 
I guess it did its job. What, what? Like, it's just like, I don't think about it that much. You don't? Do you? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. No, I mean, Malcolm I McDowell. Oh, go ahead. It, yeah. I'm sorry. When I first saw Clockwork Orange and that happened, I'm like, oh my God, I really hope this doesn't ruin Singing in the Rain for me. No, nothing can ruin Singing in the Rain. And it can't. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I'm not that mad at it now. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. Like, I know what it's doing. I know what it's trying to do. But do I watch that scene? And I'm like, so clever using the happiest song during the most gruesome scene. Ha ha ha. No. For its time, it was, uh, you know, ahead of the game a little bit. But That's what I'm saying. He's a genius. I will say like, Malcolm McDowell is the one who, while they were shooting, just started singing it. It wasn't Kubrick that, like, told him to do it. Are you serious? And then once he did it in the take, he's like, okay, yeah, keep doing it. And then... I don't know if you remember, but Clockwork Orange closes with Gene Kelly singing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That was the thing. Like, you could just, like, sing a copyrighted song and, like, not get in trouble. Yeah, I don't know, because Clockwork Orange was Warner Brothers. I'm not quite sure how they got away with that. They must have paid something. They must have. I don't know. But obviously, it's not Gene Kelly's song because the song existed before the film Singing exactly. in the Rain. Exactly, it's uh, it's Freed and Brown. But it's their song. But, but they do use Gene Kelly's recording yes. of it. So yeah, actually, I don't know what happened there. But well, how do you feel about it? About you it? ask me how I feel. about it. <laughs> I don't know. It. I just felt like it in an episode about Singing in the Rain. It's good to bring it up. We would be remiss to not bring up, you know, one of totally Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I, I think it works in that movie. I think it works. I just, like I said, am I happy? I know. You don't really care about Clockwork Orange. I don't care. Which is exactly. fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's not my favorite Kubrick movie, but, uh, you know, in terms of, like, songs from one thing that were used in another movie, like, it's one of the more famous examples. Definitely. Yeah. But I just feel like it is so, like, it's such a gimmick now. It's like. Oh, like now? Said, like, yeah, because, like, yeah, Marvel does it now. singing in the rain during a really nasty scene. Like, uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do sight and sound? Let's do sight and sound. Do you want to go first? Do your sight first. I have a few. <laughs> Classic. This is very expected. Okay. Can we? We didn't even talk about that really cool, like special effects sequence when it's like the. So the 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 line of dancers all wearing Mary Janes with socks and their feet perfectly in sync. That's one of my favorite sights. Cool. The one long shot that goes through the doorway in Good Morning. Mm, mm-hmm. Love, yep. love, love, love. I also love the scene where it transitions from like Lena shooting the movie and she's singing and if the it's black and white right, to celluloid. Yes, I me too. I love that. I almost cry at that part. I Strangely, me too. <laughs> me too. It's like, it's like the power of cinema. Exactly. We're such cornballs. <laughs> We're the worst. Um, yeah, I think I actually did cry this time at that part. I don't know why. It's a beautiful song, too. But my favorite sight is a tie. <laughs> all right. Between, like I said, the, the moment when the scarf goes all the way up and more so, I think, it's when they're dancing for the first time. She's in the green dress and he just grabs her hand and perfectly pulls her in his arms. Mm. And it is perfect like there's not one muscle that's like out of place it's just yeah. like boom yeah. and it's like the sexiest thing you've ever seen and it's just i love it so much it's so great i yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> uh mine is this was hard for me because 
usually I pick favorite site by the the, the thing that I re- like when I recall the movie in my head. What's the image that re- I, is most prominent? Mm-hmm. And I I realize when I think of this movie, there's not one image that is like there. It's because so much of the movie. But I'm gonna go with a moment that I always really liked. It's a moment right before the reprise of Broadway Melody when he's lost Sid Charisse. She's gone off. Mm. And the music's kind of sad. He comes through a door and he comes back out into like that Broadway alley, Mm. like the casinos and stuff. And it's all dark. And you see the the light from the door as he walks through the door and the camera cranes. It's on this huge crane. It goes way down into him. And he walks, he's dark. You can't see his face. Yeah. He walks in into the light and he's looking directly at the camera. It's beautiful. And it's right before the guy says, gotta dance. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the movie, right? That's and that's movie. like the theme of like Broadway and singing and dancing and musicals and yeah. this escapism and ugh. And just like the scale of that set and like everything. It's one of the only times the in the shadows. movie you see gene kelly looking sad sad, yeah Yeah. so i love it i love it too when i was little i always was fascinated like by sound stages themselves especially in musicals because they're so artificial and they're so like i just thought it was the coolest thing ever that like all of this exists in like a stage and everything around it is dark like that especially that like casino and all those things like it's dark around yeah and they used to almost scare me yeah it did it did (laughs) same yeah it sounds like Great you kind of you kind of understand my fear about things that a like little bit. artificial a things little that bit. aren't lit yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's your favorite sound from the movie? Anything Lena Lamont says, but <laughs> I have a few. <laughs> we said sunset. I, we said uh, can't make love to a bush. Bush. We mentioned sunset in Camden, which is not Lena Lamont. It is Kathy Selden. But one of my favorite, just like Debbie Reynolds moments, just like Debbie being Debbie, I feel like. Sunset in Camden. Yeah, Yeah, here we are, Sunset in Camden. Mm -hmm. Um, But my favorite sound is this. I am the noblest lady of the court, second only to the queen. Yet I am the saddest of mortals in France. The saddest mortals in France. That's my favorite. (laughs) She has so many good lines. So funny. The pearls are hilarious. Yeah. Just this whole, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. It's so, so, so good. (laughs) What's your favorite sound? Again, where? Yeah, where do you begin? And I didn't even mention songs. I was going strictly by lines. I don't know why. I have that thing that certain people have where like you taste color and you can also like taste sound. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? And so the the sound of people tap dancing, especially multiple people at the same so time, good. is like it makes me like <laughs> think of like crunchy foods. No, it makes me think of like okay. So when I was a kid, I remember I grew up near the very first Mervins in the country, San Lorenzo, California, the first ever Mervins. Okay, what's a Mervins? It was like a J.C. Penny or oh, something. Okay. It was a department store. And of course, they had that classic department store floor, like linoleum, right? And I remember hearing people, especially like women with heels or men with like dress shoes, like clopping on the the floor. I would imagine that the floor was like one big malt ball texture and I could just like bite into it. Like that's what that sound made me want to do was like bite the floor. But once I bit it, it would just like, it would be like a malt ball, like malt. Why malt ball? I don't know. That's just, that was the thing. So when I hear people tap dancing, I get that same thing. Oh. So I love <laughs> your face right now. It's a thing. It's a thing. But malt ball is such a random choice. I don't know why malt, honestly. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I would think something crunchy. Well, malt ball is crunchy. Oh. Yeah. 
Maybe I've but never it's also chocolatey. Yeah, you've never had a malt ball. Yeah, no, I have. I have. Sorry, <laughs> you've never had a Whopper. <laughs> I have. Yeah, not from Burger King. No, 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 the little yeah. No Whopper. Okay, yeah, that's malt. Okay, I always get malt crunchy. in my shakes. They're crunchy. Oh, yeah. All right, like, I mean, why do I feel like this whole thing you just described is like the memories of someone who grew up in like 1952? <laughs> like you that that what you just described i was at a department store and the ladies in heels and the clipping and clopping and i really wanted a malt ball like you sound like you're from the 50s it's not even that i really wanted a malt ball it's that i wanted to put my teeth on the <laughs> linoleum floor and bite but it would give way to this like malt texture but do you understand the whole retro story you just told right now like that could have been about a kid at macy's on- it could have been I think that Mervyn's probably opened in the 50s or 60s, I think, because yeah. it was the first Mervyn's in the country. And but malt is so 50s to me. My memory is from the 90s, so. <laughs> you could have fooled me. Uh, so therefore, my favorite sound is tap dancing, but specifically the tap dancing in Moses Supposes <gasps> in this one specific part where they're in unison, and it just sounds so malty. Malty. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah, that that mix with the the horn section of that song of just yeah. like that the swingy horns. <laughs> Do you listen to Moses Poses in your car? No, I actually don't. No. <laughs> but that sound is like one of the most pleasing sounds it's in the world very, to me. Very, very pleasing. <laughs> Are you just humoring me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not over the malt ball. <laughs> I'm not over the crunching your teeth. It sounds painful, honestly. No, it's just like Eating malt. Okay. <laughs> um, Pauline? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is a segment where we read Pauline Kale's review of the film. I have bad news for you, Jackie. No. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I know she liked this. <laughs> okay, so Pauline Kale says... This exuberant satire of Hollywood in the late 20s, at the time of the transition from silence to talkies, is probably the most enjoyable of all American movie musicals. The teamwork of the stars, Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, and Debbie Reynolds, is joyful and and the material is first rate, ranging from parodies of the Busby Berkeley-style choreography to the Charleston and Black Bottom performed straight. The film falters doing a too long love song on a deserted studio stage, studio <laughs> stage, and she says, which was later cut from some of the prints. I didn't know that. And during a lavish, oversized Broadway ballet, but these she sequences doesn't like that part. <laughs> but these sequences don't seriously affect one's enjoyment. So she does call it the most enjoyable movie musical, but then she's like, "Yeah, hey, there's a couple scenes that drag." What the yeah. ballet is probably well. I don't want to say I have a favorite part. I don't have a favorite part either. I don't have one. Yeah, like there's not one single sequence where when I watch it, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this one moment. Like it's the I whole thing. Well, I can't wait for the Broadway melody. Yeah. Dream sequence. That's true. I really can't. And if like if it's on TV ever, like I have to like wait till that part before I change it. Nice. So the end of the movie. <laughs> All right, our girl Pauline. I'm really glad that we are in. <sighs> yeah. Mostly agreement with her. And she calls it the most enjoyable movie musical. I mean, American movie musical. No doubt. 
Well, from Pauline, we go to Letterboxd. <laughs> so I've got a five star here. Okay. It says, uh, watching this is like injecting pure happiness mm. into your veins. I literally can't stop smiling. So sweet. I saw that one too. It's a perfect way to put it. Four stars. Lena Lamont, kind of a girl boss? <laughs> I saw that one. It's great. Uh, this person gave it two stars. It said, remember when tap dancing was the height of entertainment? <laughs> wow. Like, let's see you do something, bro. Literally, literally. Please. <laughs> this one's really funny. Half a star. Predictable plot and not in the charming early 2000s Catherine Heigl rom-com way. <laughs> oh, God. This is insufferable. <laughs> oh. I think Props to that person for writing a funny <laughs> review. I think that's funny. Someone gave it five stars and said... You know what it's like to see a film that reaffirms your belief in the power of cinema? Aww. That's what Singing in the Rain is to me. I don't trust anyone who dislikes this movie. This movie didn't just make film history. This movie is film history. Preach. Well said. Um, This one's kind of relevant to us. Half a star. I hate seeing and hearing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name Jonathan of our... Turpin. Yes. that's the name of our uh our theme song is seeing and hearing <laughs> the one that andrew composed he literally really? he called it seeing and hearing that's really cute i never knew that yeah that's really lovely yeah uh and then i want to leave on a happy note five stars i wish we could turn all bad movies with lost potential into big sweeping musicals that would really solve a lot of my problems so true <laughs> so true well that's singing in the rain that's singing in the rain yeah what are we doing next week? We're doing Lawrence of Arabia. <sighs> David Lean's four-hour epic. What number is Strap in. List? I don't know. <laughs> would you like to check or would you like me to check? <laughs> uh, it's number 81 on the list. So it's another tied wow. for 81 on the 2012 list. Can't wait. So you haven't seen this one before, right? I have never oh. seen Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, boy. It's so long. <laughs> well, strap in. I really love Omar Sharif, though. I'm very excited. He's prominently featured. Good. He should be <laughs> a lot more. So yeah, come back next week. We're doing Lawrence of Arabia. Calls for a, a celebration. We like we didn't <laughs> even say goodbye to Singing in the Rain. Goodbye, Singing in the Rain. Aww. We love you. No, I mean this is a movie I watch like a handful of times each year, probably. Yeah. All right. I at least watch it once a year. At least. Last time I watched it was less than a year ago. Yeah. Same. I think I saw it a few months ago. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not? (laughs) Yeah. So if you're ever down, just remember that Singing in the Rain is waiting for you. It exists and it will exist for all time. Aw. With that, (laughs) we bid you adieu. (laughs) (laughs) Adieu, adieu to you and you and you. Seen and Heard is an official podcast of the Arroyo Film Club, featuring Greg Kleinschmidt and Jacqueline Postagion. Theme music by Andrew Cox. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any questions, comments, or you just want to say hi, email us hello at seenandheardpod.com or visit our website, www.seenandheardpod.com.